SU Radio. And Barb Lampson has gone south. She's flown south with the birds for the winter because, well, that's what she does. You know, why not? You got She's got a daughter in Georgia. She's usually here for our Master Gardener segment. Now, today I don't have a Master Gardener. Usually it's Gardening with Barb and Karen. Both of us are Master Gardeners, and it's not just a title that we make for ourselves. It's a thing you go through courses. I was explaining to our guest, who is not a Master Gardener, and he's a very young guy compared to me. Uh, and that is Wyatt God. Good morning, Wyatt. Good morning. And Wyatt is a student here at Minnesota State University majoring in? Mass Media. Mass Media, who started working at KMSU in the Southern Minnesota News Project, learned about radio a la carte, and started his own show called Better Dorms and Gardens. Tell us what was the premises behind Better Dorms and Gardens, Wyatt? So uh, houseplants are kind of my life. They are one of the biggest things I do. And so I was like, well, one, I want my own radio show because it sounds so fun. And yes. being on the air is amazing. Um, and so I was like, well, I want to be able to talk about plants. and I want to talk about like things you do in the dorms and things that are going on on campus. And I was like, what better than a satirical version of better homes and gardens than better dorms and gardens? Because exactly now you don't live in a dorm, you live in a house. I do. So you know, but you were thinking from the perspective of people who maybe don't have a lot of light and maybe mm -hmm. it's difficult to to grow plants. Yes. So I know one of your premises for the show, and I thought it was a great idea because, well, I'm a gardener, was that. A lot of folks might want to do plants, but they say, well, I've got a brown thumb, so mm -hmm. I can't do anything. What can I do? And you wanted to let people know that, hey, even if you just live in a dorm, it's just a little place in the space, you can do it. So You can make it work, yeah. Yeah, and so I want you to tell me about your plants because I have, I've, I've professed this and confessed this on the show that I'm, houseplants are not my best. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I just I have some, but they're just not my thing. I'm you know outdoor girl. Yeah. So you have a bunch of plants. Let's talk a little bit about your collection. Oh goodness, where do we begin? So it's, there's about 117 plants in my collection right oh, now. Oh my goodness. Um, so we've got a lot of repeats, and that's okay because I think each plant is kind of different, and so it's kind of fun to see what each one will turn into. So um, one we of my repeats some of the same varieties that yes in many pots. Different yeah. Pots. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of a good Sansevieria. They are so hardy. They are so good. Also known as mother-in-law tongue or snake plant. Snake plant. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, I love a good uh, Monstera deliciosa. I have probably what's the common name for that? Um. Oh my gosh. Swiss cheese plant. Uh, Mexican bread plant. Um, I've heard a lot of really weird I'm trying ones. to picture what that one's one I can't picture right now. So it's also known as a split leaf philodendron. That might be the one. Oh, I've got yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So they have these big fenestrations, which is the holes in the leaves. And so it just looks like somebody cut a bunch of holes in it. And, and it looks very tropical. It's very tropical. I mean, you'll see them everywhere on like t-shirts, on backpacks, on stuff like that. That is the cliche tropical plant that you think of. And business places a lot of times happen because they're pretty easy to grow. They're so, they're so easy to and grow. And they're monsters. They can yeah. be big, big. Like, they're called Monstera for a reason. Okay. Like they are ginormous. I and I can't seem to kill them. They just drink up any water I give them, and they grow in any light I give them, and they thrive. And they're the most loving, forgiving plants, and I love them. So that's so. Those are Sansevieria. You've got your cutleaf philodendron. What mm -hmm. else you got going? Oh my goodness. Um, of the one hundred and. 16. Let's see. I've got plenty of pothos. I love pothos. They come or pothos. No, I call them pathos, but um, it's probably, I'm probably saying it wrong. That's, that's okay. And 
I think the Latin names for plants are up for interpretation. It's a dead language. You can say it however you want. <laughs> Who's going to correct you? Well, well, you know, my, my sister-in-law had four years of Latin, so she might, but yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, no, so so no, it, that is one that a lot of people mistake for philodendron. In fact, the longest yes. time I thought this pathos or pathos, mm-hmm. pothos, however you want to say it, I thought it was a philodendron until I got a philodendron and I realized they're not the same plant. They are not the same. They look very similar and they are, I think they're a similar genus, but basically a philodendron is actually more of a heart-shaped leaf, whereas a pothos or pothos or whatever Mm -hmm. um, is more of a teardrop-shaped leaf. And also the the pothos are thicker leaves, and a lot of times they're variegated so that they've got some differentiation uh, on the the green and then a lot of times yellow or white on them. Whereas generally the philodendrons, that's more the heart shape, they're a, a thinner leaf and more delicate, I think. Very delicate, but they can still have just as much variegation. One of my favorite ones is a philodendron Brazil. Oh. So it's basically dark green on the outside, light green on the middle, and then in the very middle is like a yellow stripe. And you know what that this, reminds me of? What does it remind you of? Hostas. Yes. Because I love re- the variegation of hostas too. Yeah, so they're very pretty. I have probably three or four Brazils because I just love them. I have these big hanging baskets full of them and they just droop these multicolored leaves and they add a really beautiful accent to anything. Okay, what else you got in the house? Um. So, oh my gosh, I've got a palm tree. I've got a... Uh, oh, rubber trees. Rubber trees are some of my favorite. Those are easy, favorite. too. They're so easy. They're very forgiving. They they can grow like 10 feet tall if you let them. They Well, my friend Barb, mm-hmm. who d- you normally does this show, she's got one that's over 30 years old. Wow. And it, it's got like a little trunk that's, I mean, it, it's obviously kept small because it's in a pot in her house. Yeah. But, you know, it's pretty significant for a house plant. Yeah. No, they can grow ginormous and they they keep putting out new leaves all year long. I am waiting for it to go dormant and it hasn't. And so... Uh, I You're waiting for it to go. I didn't know they went dormant. Most houseplants in general will go dormant a little bit in the winter where they'll stop putting out nearly as much growth. And but they don't look dead. No, absolutely not. Okay, because no. I'm thinking like, well, I've got some I could re- to bring back to life. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, once they're dead, it's pretty tough. Yeah. But they often go dormant and they'll stop putting out growth because during the winter there's less light and every plant just has a, a, a cycle that they follow. So. Another one I know you've had experience with is the ZZ plant. Oh my gosh, the ZZ plant. Um, it I, looks like um, like a, I said, you know, like an ash tree where it's got a whole bunch of, of leaves up a, a, a central um, stalk or, or whatever. So it, yeah, and and it's it's kind of rubbery. So I get I don't know, is it a succulent thing? It's not a succulent, but it does have succulent esque leaves. So ZZ plants, otherwise known as Zamiculus zamelfolia, that's why we call it a ZZ plant. Yeah, um, they are really interesting because they have these giant tubers down in their roots, which they collect water in, and then as they get too much water, they collect it up into their trunks. Oh, and put out this new growth. So is that what happens? Yeah. So oh. a lot of baby ZZ plants will be these really thin stalks, but as they get older, they get really fat thick. and thick, full of water. And now I know those are hard to kill because my mom, who lived in a senior housing, she was unable to care for plants. But my niece got her a ZZ plant, stuck it in a corner. It wasn't really that much bright light or anything, and mm-hmm. she pretty much forgot it. Every once in a while, give it some a little bit of water, and I mean that thing, it lived. Yeah. And and I just thought, wow. And she's not really caring for this, so. The plants you're talking about can can live and thrive even if you're not a maybe a, a mastered gardener. Oh, absolutely. The only thing I can say is you, the only sin you can commit is overwatering. They would love to be watered maybe once a month. True. So you just leave them in a you know like five ten feet away from a window, and they will just keep growing. So I, they're one of the most forgiving plants I've 
dealt with in a while. All right, so we're talking 116 plants. Those are some of the ones that you have. Yes. And how much light do you have? Because in a house, I mean, there's only so much light. Even if you've got a whole bunch of windows, it's still more limited. So you've got to have plants that maybe don't require as much. Yeah, so I just moved into this new house, actually, and it's uh, it's got a big front bay window. I believe it's east-facing, so every morning... The sun just beams in and spreads throughout the entire like main living room. So I have plants that are on a shelf probably 15 feet away from the window, but it's so bright that it hits those low light plants and they are thriving right now. But, you know, here in the office, even we've got plants and we have some of your plants. Yes. Um, we've got a ZZ plant, mm-hmm. a, f- a pa- pathos uh, I think. Hartley philodendron. Hartley, oh, a Hartley philodendron, right. And, and then another Sansevieria. Sansevieria. And I don't have them by any windows, but yet they are still doing well. So I've actually learned recently that LED light bulbs are filled with the right amount of light waves that plants oh, can grow underneath them. Wonderful. And recently the university switched every light to an LED light to save energy and save money. Uh, and I guess everyone's plants are just kind of thriving in their windowless offices now because the LED lights give them all the light they need. Yeah, because in the past you always used to think you used the fluorescent lights mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes places did have that, but they also had incandescent, which I don't think was as no, good for plants. It'll give you heat, but it won't give you the right wavelengths of Yeah, light. so, well, that's great to see because we love plants. Oh, absolutely. And so to find out all these offices can do it, and honestly, in your own home, if you install LED lights, you can probably grow things. Really? Yes. So, I mean, any LED light bulb and any light fixture will add. I would definitely recommend any actual sunlight you can give it but an right. led light will give a nice additional boost of light and make sure that those that need more light will thrive yeah and and the, i think people are turning more to those because of the energy savings and that sort of absolutely thing. yeah you can save a lot of money i think the university saved like a hundred thousand dollars in a light bunch. bill yeah. yeah it was insane so they're a good a good way to help your plants and save money although when i start plant seedlings in the spring i still use the the good old um plant lights that I that I get special I, I, I'm just that's okay you know so, especially seedlings that's a little bit different they need a lot of infrared and yes ultraviolets so it's good to get those kinds of bulbs and tell me about your plant collection because obviously 116 plants I mean do you have them in big pots little pots are they all sizes are they in terracotta are they in plastic what do you what are your collection so most of my plants are very small I actually just started getting into house plants in April Oh my gosh, you haven't been doing it that long. No, I've only been doing it for like six or seven months, actually. How did you get into it? So I I used to be really into succulents for a little bit. Um, And succulents are easy. Yeah, they're very easy. And I lived in a dorm room with like east-facing light, so it was super easy to take care of them. But as I moved into smaller and smaller homes with less and less light, I was like, well, my succulents are dying. Oh, What do I do? Um, And so I actually went to one of my favorite plant shops and I was like, well, I'm kind of sick of succulents. What else do you have? They can um, have low light. Yeah, they can have low light. And so I was introduced to Sansevieria. And from there, I think around my birthday, I went to Home Depot and I was like, I'm just going to splurge. <laughs> and I bought like seven different plants I knew <laughs> nothing about. Um, and it, the obsession just started going from there. I started following YouTubers and influencers that were really into plants. And I was like, wow, these are so cool. What on earth are any of them? Um, and I really just, I've always had a fascination with plants, but growing up with divorced parents i wasn't allowed to have plants in my rooms oh okay. so I, I was always told no 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 plants Aww. and now i got to college and i was like rebel i have as many plants as i want yes um but when it comes to pots i really recommend uh terracotta is usually best so terracotta is really great because it absorbs any water 
that is extra and wicks it away from the plants. So that'll but also you have to be sure to make sure you water them because it can, they can dry out faster. Yes, too. that's the thing with terracotta. Those are great for people that like to overwater. Um, okay, so there you go. Yeah, because plastic, it's not going to be able to absorb. Plastic will keep all of that in there. Um, and then when it comes to like ceramic and things like that, unless it has a drainage hole, I would not recommend planting it directly in there. Um, what you can do is use it as a cover pot so you keep the plant in its nursery pot and just set it gently inside that beautiful And maybe pot. put a rock or something in there so the water has yes. somewhere to go. Because I think that's, in fact, now that it's coming up in the holiday season, a lot of people get poinsettias or mm-hmm. poinsettias. How, I don't know how do you say it. Um, I say poinsettias, but you know what? There is an I sitting in poinsettias. Yeah, so, so I've heard people say it both ways. It's kind of like peony, peony. Yeah. It's one of know. those, you say potato, I say potato. Potato, tomato, tomato, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, all right, so... so Poinsettias or poinsettias. That's how my parents said it. So yes. I guess I'll say it that way. But they're coming up and I see so many people will get them, you know, and they're so beautiful in the store. They are. And they're always wrapped in these beautiful foil for holiday colors. Mm-hmm. It, it, it catches your eye and you're like, I got to have that. I got to have that. And then they put it in their house and they water it and they water it. And all of a sudden the leaves start falling off and they're like, oh, it must what be getting dry. Well, no, then they yeah. think it must be drying out. So they add more water. Guess where all that water is? It just sits at the bottom in the foil. Yeah. Yeah. You take that foil off. And then you plant it in a pot or something because these are, you know, they that's not a pot. That's just plastic. Uh, well, you can use the plastic pot, you know, if you don't like the color or else either that or cut a hole in the foil and put it in a dish or something because if they don't have drainage, they're drowning. Oh, they're drowning and they are going to be miserable in there. Oh, yeah. And that's usually the thing a lot of times people overwater when their leaves start to fall off they're thinking they're drying and they need mm-hmm. more water that's kind of a big mistake yeah no overwatering is the number one way to kill plants i truly believe in underwatering because once you get to 117 plants it's hard to keep up <laughs> so i i used to be an overwaterer now i'm an underwaterer but you can save something from underwatering and that's my big thing is if it looks droopy like it needs to be watered you can go water it but if it's overwatered you're you might be out of luck well and i've had people who have brought me plants and you i know you have a little plant revitalization or er that you take people's plants and help oh yeah them. well i've had folks here in the area who brought plants in they're like what's wrong with my plant and i'm like oh my gosh there's no drainage it's just you know because they're like it's well sitting in a pool of water yeah well yeah or it's or it's just waterlogged there's just not enough and so they think that because the, the leaves are turning yellow and dropping that they need more water and so, it's quite the opposite yeah. yeah so i have actually gone and taken literally taken the plant out, washed all that soil off, and put it in new soil, potting soil, specifically Mm -hmm. potting soil that's got great drainage. Yeah, well, and I also, my tip for that is if you have overwatered and you're potentially thinking there's root rot, what I do is I take about, I think, a fourth to an eighth cup of uh, hydrogen peroxide, add that to a cup of water, and you pour that in, and the hydrogen peroxide kills any bacteria that's eating at the roots of the plant. Yeah, well, the other thing is like when you took the, if you take the roots out, if there's any rot and cut the bad parts off. Yeah, you too. can cut them off too if you're feeling real gutsy. I, I'm i a little scared to touch roots. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, see, I have enough experience to see, know what a, a, a healthy root versus a not healthy root is. Mm-hmm. And so that, that helps. And that's with the time. With experience, experience. Yeah. 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 So now your Epsom salt thing, I've heard. Or no, hydrogen peroxide. Sorry, hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to probably go full strength with that. No, you got to really dilute it and you got to be really careful. I've done i've i'm not proud of it i did do a cup to cup ratio and it <laughs> it did not kill my plant it actually did bring my plant back to life but i wouldn't recommend doing it again after much. i learned that was too much so so you do this for plants that tell me again hydrogen peroxide uh diluted solution for diluted solution uh yeah probably an eighth cup of uh hydrogen peroxide maybe even less i'm still trying to find the perfect ratio 
to a cup of water. And, and why just, is this again? Um, so the hydrogen peroxide will pour in with the water and start eating and killing all the bacteria that's growing on the roots. So right. all that extra water that's sitting down there is just letting bacteria grow if they're and rot. Yeah, if they're root rotting. But you do I gotta remember there are good bacteria. We don't want to kill That's good true. bacteria. So sometimes you have to just give it that jolt to get it back into a healthy mm-hmm. uh, ecosystem. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we we're just talking about poinsettias and things like that. Um, if you have any more thoughts on that, I, I like them around Christmas time. I'd love to have them all year. If you go with some place that's tropical, you'll see them. They grow in the landscape, and you're oh, like, yeah. "Oh, this is so cool!" Well, here they have to force them mm-hmm. to bloom. You have to have so much darkness before they'll be able to uh, bloom. It's the leaves, the bracts, yeah. as I guess they call them. And so it's it's kind of a big deal. Barb, my friend, has has done this before, but I mean, you got to put it in dark. You got to watch it. So sometimes oh, yeah. they're I don't know. Kind of, I can't think of them almost as a throwaway plant before here. I mean, if you like the standard green foliage that they have underneath the red, then yeah, you keep can it. keep keep it all year long. But the problem is, this is not a climate for keeping them red and flowered. Yeah, right. Um, I tried reading up on how to keep them flowered, and I was like, "That's a lot, a lot of, of work." work yeah, that I don't really, have time for. Yeah, it is. Now, another thing that we think around this time of year are the Christmas cactus. Oh, love them. I know, but you know, the, for the longest time, like, why is my Christmas cactus blooming and it's Thanksgiving? Well, guess what? There's three different kinds. Yeah. And I have apparently a Thanksgiving cactus, and here I thought it was a Christmas cactus. Mm-hmm. And so the Christmas cactus blooms around Christmas times, right? Yes. And the difference is I found out that my Thanksgiving cactus has more, um, if you look at it, they're, they've got more little points on their yes, leaves. Yes, exactly. And then, so you go ahead, you can talk about your, oh, yeah. what so, you know about those. Otherwise, I've also read um, the Christmas ones have more of a scalloped leaf. They're kind of like rounder on the edges. Yeah. Um, but then the Easter one is like super round on the edges. Those ones are a little harder to get to tell the difference between because they're a lot closer in shape. But the Thanksgiving one is the very pointy claw-like one. Yeah, so so if yours is blooming now and you think, why is it not waiting for Christmas? Maybe you've got one that's really more of the Thanksgiving cactus. And, and they're considered short-day plants, and that's why they bloom here, because our days, the light gets shorter. Mm-hmm. And they won't bloom if they're exposed to uh, artificial light at night. So, you know, the other thing is, if you do have artificial light... you got to stop doing that with the cactus. I mean, just put yeah. them somewhere dark overnight and then bring them back out, and they should be okay. Yeah, and they also... Um, it says flowers may also fail to develop if the plant is exposed to temps above 70 degrees because they need that coolness too. Yes. We keep our house below. <laughs> I was going to say my house is a steady 65, so yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> so you're you're good. Yeah. So so those are, are things if you wonder why they're not blooming or why they are blooming. Mm-hmm. Do you do any of the poinsettias or, or, poinsettias or so Christmas cactuses? This is going to be my first Christmas with actual plants besides a couple of succulents so i'm very excited to go actually pick up my own christmas cactus okay poinsettia this year many people will have some from their grandmas i don't know if you've got any relatives but they'll be like hundreds of years old i mean because and they just christmas cactuses are an old tradition i've learned yeah and or thanksgiving or thanksgiving or whichever yeah (laughs) whichever yeah (laughs) and it says you know you that's another one you should keep on the dry side as well especially in the fall Mm -hmm. it says watering every seven to ten days is usually sufficient and uh, give them good consistent care during the flower bud development which i all of a sudden notice my thanksgiving cactus Mm -hmm. starting to get these little buds i'm like oh i haven't watered you in months i don't know (laughs) yeah once they start budding you really want to keep them evenly moist so you obviously let them dry out but as soon as you see that it's about dry water it again because it takes a lot of water and a lot of energy to put out those flowers yeah exactly but it says if you overwater the buds may drop off so yeah it's a healthy balance you got to find and you can also move them to another room when the flowers start to open because you know at least if you want them in a major uh, you know a more main 
pronounced Air. space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so those are some things to remember. Um, another thing, I don't know if you did any research on this. We had chatted a little about, little about this, but there's the um, amaryllis. No, amaryllis. Yeah, well, you were I, talking to me about it. I did not get a chance to look them up yet. Oh, man. I have seen lately that you know, Barb, my friend Barb, has a lot of them, and she's they're notorious for... They force the bulbs, and so they'll bloom now for holidays and stuff. But mm-hmm. did you see now they come in a wax? They wax the bulbs. I don't get what that's about. Yeah, you were showing me that, and I, I'm i very baffled by them. They come in, like, red or white or black wax. I mean, the holiday colors, and they somehow grow. But I I don't understand how they do that without any soil. So that's very fascinating to and me. And they say that, yeah, I just don't. It's... Yeah, it says, can I save a waxed amaryllis bulb? It says, so while the regular amaryllis bulbs can be saved and bloom again, those with wax bulbs are one season wonders. So that's the thing. They might have enough energy because they build up the energy in the bulb, and that's what allows them to sprout. So they're kind of cool because they they dip them into red or green and make them look really holiday-like, and then you can have this waxy thing, and it just grows this bulb, and you're like, wow, Yeah, it's just a bulb sitting on your table with a flower growing out of it. But, I mean, when you think about it, that thing is not going to be able to regenerate anything because there's no soil to get nutrients. So, mm-hmm. so it's probably going to die at some point. Like you said, a one season wonder. Like they're a really cute gift for somebody that probably doesn't have a green thumb. You go, you give it to them and you're like, give it some water every now and then. They get to have a little bit of fun and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. It does, it does say wax bulbs are a one-time shot. Throw them out when they finish blooming. If you want the traditional tall amaryllis flowers that last up to six weeks, you'll need to grow an unwaxed bulb in soil. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a gimmick. Yeah. It, it's a cute gimmick and I understand why you would do it. But also, why wouldn't you want the real thing? Well, that's me too. Because then, like Barb, she she has some for years. She regenerates. Wow. Because one thing with the thing with the bulbs is you never, you know, when when they're in the pot, once they're done blooming, you can cut the bloom off, but never remove the leaves because that's how they. That's how they get their energy. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that's just something if you want to reuse them or give them to a friend like Barb who will do it because <laughs> she can't <laughs> she can't stand to see a plant go to waste. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I feel the same way. Do you have ferns or anything? Oh, so ferns are kind of my weakness right now. I okay. did not have the right um, the right environment for them at first, but now that I've moved, I really want to give them a shot because I have a rabbit's foot fern. Oh, which, those are interesting. They're yeah. really cool. So they have these like roots that come out that are fuzzy, kind of like They look like little foot. bunny feet. Yeah. yeah, they're really interesting. But I nearly killed it because it was not getting enough light and my old house just didn't have it. Okay. They want super bright, indirect light and like a lot of water. And I'm... <laughs> I struggled to give them either of those, and so I'm nursing one back to health, but I do want to invest in more ferns. The other problem is I have two cats, and <laughs> anything stringy like a fern is just asking to be munched on. Right, yeah. So, and that's the other thing Wyatt and I have discovered we have in common is, is cats and plants are mm-hmm. a couple of our passions. So we hit it off right away. Oh, absolutely. Right in the middle of the interview, just talking like, about what? cats and plants. What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. They kind of go together. But you do have to be careful not to have poisonous plants. Have you ever <laughs> looked into that with your cats or not necessarily? Uh, I think probably 50% of my plants are poisonous to cats. Well, I'm fortunate my cats don't seem to bother them. Mine either. So if you got an animal that does that, you, you really want to pay attention. I think the only one that my cats have really been drawn to is this Dracaena marginata, which is this big, like, I, uh, they have really long stringy leaves and anything stringy, they just want to munch It's like on. a toy. And so, like, I think a couple weeks ago, my cat was eating one apparently and was just vomiting everywhere. Well, there you go. That's really so nice. I learned my <laughs> lesson. Uh, I have to keep them up high where they can't eat them. Okay, so that, there you go. So if you were to say a gift for a gardener or a houseplant person like yourself, what mm-hmm. would be a good uh, Christmas gift that you might suggest for people who are listening? Oh, my goodness. Like an actual plant or just like... Oh, something that you oh think my... would be nice. Like if you were wanting to get something from somebody, what might it be? Because you're now into houseplants big time. 
Um, probably I would love either like a really fancy watering can because those oh. are really fun. Um, otherwise, if you just pick out any plant and put it in a nice pot, I will gush for days on end. And here's the key. When you get a pot, make sure it has a hole. A lot of these amaryllis that you buy mm-hmm. have no holes. Really? Well, go to a store. They'll be, sometimes they're the cheap ones, like five bucks. A lot of them use are, I think, nine ninety nine. But mm-hmm. if you go to, you know, a real store you're gonna pay pay more probably for a nicer ball but yeah a lot of them are it's just oh it's a beautiful pot it's got this beautiful little red ribbon on and you're like oh so pretty but without that drainage hole mm-hmm. bulbs rot yeah exactly no i i love a pretty pot and i if it was potted i'd probably just take it out and put it in a nursery yeah, pot yeah, and then ex- put it back in exactly because pots are expensive and so if oh, somebody yeah. gifted me a really pretty pot i would put my best plant in it and I'd be like, ha ha, look at this. Yeah. So, so part of me says when you get those amaryllis and they don't have the hole in the bottom, that's almost like a throwaway kind of thing too, because mm-hmm. you're going to, so. I, I think if you really tried, you could repot it easily. Oh yeah, you yeah. can. But a lot of people don't want to monkey with that. Yeah. No, it's, it's a terrifying process if you don't know any better. Yeah. So anyway, here we go. We're talking with Wyatt, who is a, I guess a houseplant aficionado and it's got 116. You said you killed one. Which one was it recently? Because you told me before 117. So my majesty palm, apparently, despite being in the lowest light I could possibly give it, still wants a ton of water. Uh, Lighter water. uh, uh, Both. It can grow in very low light, but in general, it wants a lot of water. And I didn't realize that. So now you know. Now I know. So uh, four of the five leaves just dried up but there's one baby leaf coming out the top and i'm just hoping i can bring it back you know at some point i say let it die but you're not at that point yet i'm not yet there's one stalk left we're gonna see what happens look at the down at the root and see if it looks healthy and maybe you can determine from there <laughs> yeah well, i want to thank you Wyatt, so much for coming on barbara's in here and i knew that you had the, this passion for house plants and i know a lot of other people who can't garden outside for whatever reason don't have a yard don't you know live in an apartment mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to, to do that so Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you want to listen to Wyatt, you can tune in on Wednesdays to Radio a la carte for Better Dorms and Gardens. Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Yep, bye-bye. All right, it is 10 o'clock, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio, 89.7 FM in Mankato, and KMSK, 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Big ideas and real-world thinking. 22 degrees right now outside. This morning will remain on the cold side in the teens to low 20s, but should be short-lived. Underneath the sunny skies, Friday will remain on the cool side, but should not be too uncomfortable with the highs in the mid 30s to low 40s and light to calm winds a general warming trend will set in throughout this weekend and early next week and then temps will slowly rise back into the 40s you can throw in sunny skies and overall quiet weather and you can find it hard to complain about too much time now for our southern minnesota news project oh, here we go